Welcome to Drinks at Work, my booth beer with Sam Bygrave. That's me. My guest on this episode is Eric Lorenz. He's as big a name bartender as you get. He won the Global World Class Final in 2010, uh, was the 10th head bartender at the American Bar at the Story Savoy Hotel in London, taking it to number one on the world's 50 best bars list in 2017, and then went on to open his own bar, Quaint, which also found itself on the world's 50 best bars the year it debuted. Eric will be in Australia next week as a judge for the global final of Diageo's world-class bartending competition. So I took this opportunity to talk to him about his career, what the weight of responsibility of being the head bartender at a bar like the American Bar feels like, his tips on winning world-class and whether he would still win today, and his advice on what makes a great bar and loads more. So enough of me, here's my chat with Eric Lawrence. Eric Lawrence, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothbeat. Absolute pleasure, Sam. Thank you for having me. You've had quite a stellar bartending career. Um, you've been at it now for uh, 20 something years. How do you describe what it is that you do for work? Because you've got a few sort of elements to your career at the moment. Mm. Oof, uh, that's a good one, actually, because uh, I always consider myself as a bartender. But uh, now I'm looking actually the perspective of what really I do there. I, I never thought the day 20 years ago when I decided I want to be a bartender, how many actual things I can do as a bartender, which is working with the various brands, working in the different projects, I was consulting on a Bond movies, working with a Cartier, designing my glassware, brandware, barware, opening my own bar. And that was the ultimate deal, the, the overall deal, the dream to do. Yeah, and so did you, I guess you had no idea that all this would come when you started uh, bartending in Slovakia, but what what has been one of the highlights of that so far? If there was, if you were to pick one so far, what's the big highlight for you? I think the big highlight is it's still that motivation of people coming to the bars and enjoying what we do. And when people leave happy, that's what really makes me satisfied. That's that's what I really do something which I really enjoy. And, and you know, the highlights of the career is like, the awards are always great because they are there, but they're just a hype for a night. And then the next day you wake up and you go back to the bar and you're facing the reality to, to, to treating your patrons and uh, making new patrons. So that's really about, all about, that's how I see my career as a bartender. That for me, the, the satisfaction comes when when the whole team is happy, everyone works together and we all see the ultimate goal is uh, leave a work in a very happy mood and satisfied mood. That was a great night. Everyone had a good time and let's do it again and let's do it better than we did last night. How, how would you describe a typical week for you? I guess saying one day would probably be a bit too, too all over the shop, but is there a sort of pattern to your week? How that unfolds? Uh, right now, not really because it's like I'm literally all over the place these days. And, uh, and, uh, and the weeks are sometimes like, I don't even, I, I didn't even realize today morning that it's actually a Friday because I was traveling yesterday and yeah. back for the weekend and next weekend I'm traveling again. That's weekend actually when I'm going to Sydney. So it's, it's really up and down, but normally it would be, uh, I see myself as a seven day week rather than working from Monday to Friday because obviously the bar operates seven days a week, but I have a family that try to step out two times a week at least to make sure that I have a time to rest and come back with more energy. Yeah, how, how, important is it, how important is that time off and that time to spend with family? It's important because that's what I see that you know, what I want to do is, and especially doing it for 20 years, you don't want to burn out really after a few years of 
of just mm-hmm. doing it. So I really learned that thing that there's a time you really have to switch off. Often it's not possible because, you know, there's always someone on your phone and that's like, can I do a reservation? Can I get this? And, oh, Eric, this guy's in the bar. What shall we do? So I kind of set up a standards mm. and I told my teams, like, guys, if there are no police in the bar, if there's no fire in the bar, please don't call me. Unless there's a president, <laughs> unless there's a president sitting in a bar of one of the countries and uh, and asking for me, it's like yeah, then please call me. Other than that, you know, yeah. yeah, that's probably a, that's probably a fair uh, system there. I think you've got. Yeah. Um, so speaking of your trip to Sydney, you're coming out here for uh, Diageo World Class. Uh, you'll be in Sydney for the the finals. Uh, can you tell me what you'll be doing when you're in town? So what I'm going to do, it's obviously judging the world class. Uh, I will be judging uh, three challenges. It will be a Talisker, Johnny Walker, and the uh, Tanker A10 challenge, which is exciting. I always love these challenges because there's a lot of creativity going on. It's always great to see what bartenders coming up with, and especially being in uh, in the program since 2010. So I can see this massive evolution of yeah. techniques and what bartenders really brought in and this is amazing and plus uh, i will be behind the bar as well so i'll be doing uh, a few drinks i'll be the maybe sammy i think it's on a wednesday uh before that mm-hmm. on sunday i'm also doing a little guest shift at the four season bar and i've got another one which i just literally lost right now where i'm doing another shift with the iceberg team yeah that's yeah. right so so you're a busy guy then when you're out in sydney oh yes it's always <laughs> fun you know the work class is it's about uh, it's about a celebration of the craft, and uh, when we get together, you know, we get together about four hundred people, four hundred guests, including so many bartenders all around the world, and and this is a massive, massive celebration and massive festival these days. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you you won the global final of world class in twenty ten. What did that do for your career? You were working at the Conrad at the time, right? That's right. Yeah, it, it it was actually very interesting that when I won the world class, I've been told from uh, the actual teams like Eric, your life is going to change. And two months after the world class, nothing, just silence. Nothing was happening. I was just doing my work, going to work, and I was like, they told me my life is going right. to change. There's nothing happening. I'm just doing my usual stuff. And two months later, they just like bang. As soon as I think few press releases went out. Suddenly, my first trip was to Dubai because the, world, the Azure was doing some um, activation at the Dubai airport. And from that day, I just did not stop. It was just like one after another, a lot of uh, work opportunities. As I mentioned earlier, straight away, I got a, got a job offer. So I left uh, uh, the Connaughts to the Savoy. So I had a I got appointed, appointed as a 10 head bartender and that's something like you don't refuse because I've been a 10 head bartender in 125 years. So when I looked into the history of mm. bartenders, Ed Coleman, uh, Peter Dorley, uh, Joe Gilmore, Salim Curry, and I was like, all right, you should be the next one. Okay, I'm taking this. So straight away I got a new job. Yeah. And with that, I was just flying around the world, doing a lot of appearances, uh, guest shifts and uh, visiting some cool destinations and working with some amazing projects, which is really, really interesting. Like I mentioned with the Cartier Bond movies. So I worked on the two Bond sets where I was training the actors how to act as a bartender to make a 007 cocktail. That's incredible. <laughs> how, so you're involved in the judging with world class in those years since. How has the competition changed and uh, since you did it? And 
how do you think you'd fare against the current crop of competitors? It's, it's changed massively because the trends are coming up every single year and obviously partners following these trends. And, you know, when I joined Work Last 2010, yeah. we had no idea what is Rotovap. We had no idea what is a centrifuge. <laughs> Even just really going to yeah. today, I would call it complete basics. So, but still creative, innovative, and most importantly, you had to create uh, delicious balanced drinks. But today when I see bartenders there and I can tell you that this four class, it's really shaped the industry massively because imagine 50 bartenders, 50 countries coming together and everyone just bring one idea. That's 50 ideas in within one week. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. So this is amazing uh, opportunity to see. And for me, especially that being with Verklaas since 2010 and seeing where is it today, it's, it's, it's a massive involve, massive in evolution of, uh, of, the, of the bartending uh, uh, craft. Yeah. Would you, would you still back yourself to take it out today? Definitely, yes. <laughs> I would do that, but I would have to have <laughs> a drop of the, 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 the bar operation and just literally focusing on that because I remember when I received my, uh, my uh, rules, there was like uh, 30 pages of rules to follow and, and it wasn't just like create one cocktail. It was create 15 cocktails, which was a massive, a massive task to do and make sure that each and every one of them were your best cocktails. So it's, it's a kind of like a... Yeah competition not for one day you need really need to prepare for it properly right and yeah so what advice would you share to to bartenders who will be competing this year if you had a had a couple of moments with them what is some sure. brief advice that you you'd like to drill into their minds as i mentioned the first and the most important read the rules because that's the easiest how you can lose points because what you really want to collect points in every single challenge so you want to focus on what's the important what they're looking for what they really want from you and once you understand the rules then you create cocktails and then you really need to showcase your style your techniques and just be yourself don't try to copy another bartender from a youtube because if that's not you you cannot do it don't try to do that because judges are judges there for a reason because they've been uh, around for a while and they know a few bartenders around the world with different style and techniques so you don't want to be someone else you want to be yourself and really showcase your creativity and most importantly enjoy it because this is a lifetime opportunity for many and this is the kind of thing that is not happening every weekend. So really, really go there to enjoy and get the most out of it. And don't forget, maybe you could be the winner. So this is something the most important. A lot of them just go there, ah, oh, I'm not going to win it. There's no chance. And boom, all of a sudden in the final. Yeah. Did you, did you think you would win when you entered? No, I did not because I actually was going there with a, had a bit of an accident. I uh, broke my teeth and... It was a massive accident, so I almost didn't make it, actually. I was in the hospital on uh, strong antibiotics, and then uh, I was just happy that I could make it there just before the world class. So I was there just to really yeah. focus and try to get the most out of it after suffering so much pain just before that. But uh, when I was doing the challenges, I realized that a lot of them, they were came to me so natural. Like it wasn't something that I never done before. So always I tried to see, okay, right. this could be the scenario Friday night when it's very, very busy, which is a speed run. And then we had the market challenge. This could be the challenge when you really get sat on a bar and want something in off the menu. And now you need to be creative. So I always yeah. try to compare each challenge to a scenario at the bar. And obviously at the bar, we have so many scenarios, which if you work in a bar several years, 
you know how to handle them. So you know what to do. And this is how I really try to do. And most importantly, I was looking at my judges as my, as my guests rather than my judges. So I tried to not to be scared of them, not to be nervous at all, but really try to enjoy that mm. few minutes, which I had an opportunity and obviously don't not to waste that few minutes talking about weather and boyfriends and girlfriends rather than talking about what is the priority here them to serve the cocktail they want to taste and judge me uh, talking about your time at the at the at the american bar at the savoy you were as you said the the 10th head bartender there what did that feel like walking into that role because that would be i mean there's a weight of history there it's uh you know it's a famous bartender bar what was that like? How did you how did you approach it? Well, first, I uh, when I received the opportunity, I went back to Connaught. I shared with team. I said, "Like guys, I've got this offer. What shall I do?" And Ago looked at me and saying, "Eric, this is you know, it's not happening to anyone at any time. Go for it." So I got a very good support from from the Connaught bar team because I didn't want to leave. I love the bar. I love the team. We had an amazing moment there. But I said, "Okay, probably this is a." another step in my career so i have to take it and go for it and when i was facing my first meetings i actually had to go through like five six different interviews with the different managements all the way to the the hotel director who actually wanted to see me in person to make sure that am i really the right person for it so after those meetings i really realized okay this is quite serious it's not just like a one interview and bring my CV and like, okay, you can start next day. It was, it was several interviews and that really that prepared me that you have to take this role really, really seriously. So, which I did and, and tried to do the max out of it. And, and it was a big opening. It wasn't just like joining a bar team. It was literally reopening an iconic bar or hotel that has been closed for three years. So first thing was, mm. what is the expectation of the guests who were coming in? must be huge because the place was closed for three years. So really you needed to prepare for that properly, that there's a no disappointment from we do big changes or there's a no disappointment from others and new, there's a no old and uh, there's a no disappointment from anything actually. So we really, really an analyzed mm. everything, how we can make this a successful restart. So that was the amazing task to make sure that once we reopen, we are doing exactly what people would imagine to do that because we had regular guests that were coming back for 25, 30 years. One of the oldest guests I was serving, he was in his late eighties and he's been 50 years, a regular guest of the Savoy, which is incredible. Wow. And you really wanted to make That's sure amazing. that these, these guests, they are still being treated exactly the same way as they were treated many, many years ago. And we just do our best. So there was a big responsibility, but slowly, slowly I grown into the role and really realized that how we can shape the bar to bring it to the, bring something modern, not just the old school, not just the white lady, the hanky panky, the old fashioned and so on and so on. But slowly we were introducing at the American bar more creativity, the modern approach, so we really uh, slowly took the guest on the journey that, hey, yes, it's of course, our signature is the white lady and the moonwalk, hanky-panky, but still we can offer something new, something modern. So that was a good journey, an amazing journey. And that was uh, eight years. Yeah. And you ended up in 2017 landing at number one on the world's 50 best bars list, right? What yeah. Was that, what, was that, what did that feel like? Ah, that was amazing because... 
the American bar has been on the list since the reopening. So it was always there. We were in the magic circle of the top 10. And then we started dropping out slowly because obviously that was the moment where we were always just focusing on the, on the classics, on, on the originality, because that was how the American bar was known for us. So it's like, okay, we need to step up. We need to push the boundaries. We just can't stick to the white lady and hanky bangies. So then we started going mm. completely out of the box and being more creative. And that's where really we were progressing. And, uh, and a year before we were number two, uh, when Dan the Lion won, uh, which we're very happy as well, yeah. but to be number two is like, come on, you are, you're sharing, you know, the top, but year after we managed that. And, uh, and that was yeah. amazing experience because obviously we worked, the whole team worked super hard, not just to, not just to win the 50 best, but be consistent. And for me, that was the most important thing that we set up something, we went with something out and really made it consistent no matter what, whether it was a Friday night or a Monday night, whether it was hundred guests at the bar at night or 500 guests bar at the night. And that was the key uh, for a whole bar team to make sure that we really execute everything what we created on top notch in exactly the same way. And that was amazing experience that to see the joy of the bar team, because some of them who were in the team, that was their first really kind of a victory. And that was for me, that was the best thing to see how everyone was a part of it. It wasn't just myself. It wasn't Declan McGurk, a bar manager. It wasn't just me, him or someone else. It was the whole entire American bar team, which is amazing. Yeah, it must have been, uh, must have felt pretty, pretty incredible. But then again, you then after American bar, <clears throat> excuse me, you went on to open your own bar, Quaint. Yes. Uh, can you tell us what uh, the idea was behind Quaint? Yeah. So the idea was really that I wanted to open my own bar and I was looking for a site and I was like, until I don't find a site, don't ask me what the name of the bar will be, what the bar is going to look like. And when I worked in, walked into yeah. this, uh, into this place, which I got introduced to, which you walk through a Moroccan restaurant to the basement and there was a site and I was like, this is amazing. I love that. And I was like, what I really want to do here. I want to create something that it's almost feel like forgotten. You've been completely taken away on a different journey that you came downstairs. You don't even feel like you anymore in London and really recreate something very unique and very in a way of like a old school, but very unusual. So that's the Queens, what it stands for the phonetics. Mm-hmm. So very unusual and old fashioned, but with a modern, modern approach. So really, uh, take everyone on a journey, which is, uh, when it comes to the cocktails, there were no boundaries, there were no rules of what we cannot do. It was everything was possible. Everything what we could do, we wanted to do. It was completely no limits. And, uh, the whole team was completely pushing those limits to make sure that we really bring out something very, very unique. And that was a beauty because the moment you open your own bar, you're not anymore tied to approval from the manager, from the manager and the other manager <laughs> and waiting and waiting and waiting. It was just really, for me, it was about, if you want this, just show me what are you going to do with this and how are we going to benefit from it? And I get it for you. No approvals. I just want to see the functionality. How did you readjust yourself from, you know, like you were saying, having managers on top of you to having that freedom and having that, that, that choice? Did you have a really strong idea of what you wanted to do or was it something that you were evolving with? 
It was a idea was the moment I've seen the site, but it took me probably three years till I secured the site because of various uh, legal issues or things that the bar side had. So I had a good time to think of and making sure that really once they got a side on, we know exactly what we do and how we do it. So, and it was amazing because I had all the freedom on the road. So it was nothing that I had to ask someone, can you do this? It was really like asking myself, do I really want to do this? Is it make, is it make sense financially and uh, practically? Those were the two questions I was just asking myself. And that was it. So it was a beautiful experience. I would say that really helped me to understand better what is it to uh, open a bar, but not just design a cocktail menu, but design, uh, open a bar from the scratch when you have a empty room and I need to build that room to make it comfortable when it comes to lighting, sofas, the workstations, mm. the back area, everything was completely up to me. All the way to uniforms, which I also yeah. designed. So I worked on every single aspect to making sure that everything what was there had a functionality and had had a synergy to the site. Mm. And, and so you open the bar and it pretty much lands on the world's 50 best bars list straight away. You got. There's a lot of uh, great reviews about it. We're hearing about it all the way over here in Australia. Wow. But then, uh, you know, this pandemic comes along, right? And yeah. it's sort of, there's been some yeah. up and downs. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that hasn't been easy. So where, where are you at with the bar at the moment? So what happened, obviously, the pandemics uh, were not uh, favorable to us at all. Uh, because the bar was mm. on the basement of a restaurant, which we were uh, subletting from. Unfortunately, the restaurant didn't make it. So we had to move out. So in the meantime, what we did, uh, I'm doing right now as we speak, I've got a Queen by the Sea. So it's a summer pop-up in the Ibiza. So really through the whole summer, we started from the 1st of June and yeah. we are there till uh, end of October. And while we are there, I'm working on a renovation of creating a new location. So I also find a new site. So I'm moving from a basement to a ground floor. And I'm in the process of uh, renovating the site. So while we are renovating, we're in Ibiza. So when the Ibiza season comes to end, we should be in a time to reopen a London time. It's, uh, how did the Ibiza thing come, come about? Because that sounds like an ideal place to, uh, to, to be hiding out while you're renovating. <laughs> yeah, for the summer, I think there couldn't be the better uh, opportunity. No, well, <laughs> Ibiza came that uh, uh, it was a collaboration between the Queens and uh, Me Hotel, and obviously people from Me Hotel, they came to Quaint, they loved the Quaint, and they just approached me completely organically saying, hey, we would like to, we'd like to partner up with you, and we have a hotel in Ibiza, and we'd like to bring Quaint there as a summer pop-up for the whole summer, not just for a weekend, which is like, I like that, absolutely amazing. So <laughs> we, we made that very quickly happen, and I have one member of staff who is there working with the local team, I was there last month for a month and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's very cool. I'm very happy about that. What, what, what about your character do you think has sort of set you up to be able to uh, withstand the challenges of the last few years as a, not just as a bartender, but now as a business owner, how, I mean, what do you think's helped you to, to get through this? I think what really helped me is, uh, it's taking that risk. You have to be a risk takers. If you're not risk takers, if you always sit back, you will be always will be doing the same thing all over again because you'll be worried that something goes wrong, then you fail. For me, it's not the failure. It's for me, it's an experience. Even now, when uh, the pandemic closed us, I didn't see it as a failure. 
It was unfortunately the circumstances that it's not just us had to close. It was so many other places, bars, restaurants, businesses had to close. Some of them completely finished. We didn't finish. I explained the teams like, unfortunately, we just on the pause to go back or actually leave to come back even stronger. That's how I see it. So for me to be where I am today was always taking a risk. So for example, when I came to London 20 years ago, I came in with one backpack map of London and I said, I want to learn English and be a better bartender. Some people were just like, oh, that's too risky. It was like, why? What is risky on that? Like, in worst case scenario, if I don't find a job, I just learn English and then I move on. I have another language I can speak. But uh, this is how I was always thinking and always tried to do. And for example, when I started, when I took my first job in a hotel bar, it was a notoriously known in, uh, in London that if you work in a hotel bar, you are old school bartender, you work with the people who've been there 20 odd years and they're just waiting for the retirement. There's no creativity. And this is what we changed with Agostino mm. when we came to Connaught Bar because then the hotel bars becoming super trendy, super cool because suddenly there's a young blood in it in the bar. And I said, let's take it, let's go for it, let's try it. In the worst case, we just leave and go somewhere else. And, uh, and that was the amazing experience that all of a sudden, not just since 2010, that the hotel bars became known, not just for residents, because before that, if you were not resident, you probably wouldn't hang out in the hotel bars. And now it's completely different. People's mm. minds change and people habits change and people like to enjoy that and have that privilege of, okay, I can't pay 500 pounds a night, but I can still go for a cocktail, which means it must be amazing experience. And that's how we see it. So yeah. we went there, we done it. And then, then I take, I still need to carry on on this, uh, risking, uh, taking risk. And next was, yeah, let's open my own bar and do it. What is the kind of thing that you look for in a great bar when you're walking through the doors? What are the things you want to see? What, what makes a great bar for Eric Lorenz? Um, I, like, I'm literally like, uh, try to look into every element is not, I'll never judge the, the bar by a cocktail. I never judge the bar by just one element. I always try to look to sit down and I'm just now observing every single thing. The moment I step into the bar, the first thing I experience is the smell. Is this nice, fresh, is air conditioned? Is it smoky? Is, is the bar dirty? If, if, if they don't clean the bar, you can smell the fermented eggy smell coming through the bar. It was a nice, fresh, there is some <laughs> essence they burning. And then the lighting is perfect because outside is dark. So you don't want to come into the bar and you feel like you're in like some kind of photo shooting, the lights on. <laughs> And there's the right music in the, in the right level, not right music because, you know, everyone have a different type of music, but for me it can be any music, but it needs to be in the right level. So it's, it's a kind of like, I want to have a conversation with a person that can hear me rather than screaming out loud. And I can't even hear that. Yeah. If it's a dive bar, I get it. But if it's a cocktail bar, it should be a little bit of a level of it. And of course, then it comes to the comfort. Yeah. I sit down. Do I feel comfortable when I'm sitting in the bar? Do my partner feel comfortable? Because this is often I see that often it's just about me, but you know, I went to so many bars around the world. So I was sitting on a very exclusive leather sofa to a little benches. But if I'm with the partner, it's yeah. my partner comfortable in this bar stool that has been there, not just myself. And then it comes to obviously what is, what is, what is the offering? What is the, what are we going to experience tonight? It will be just like a order taker bartender who takes an order, give me the drinks, disappear, never see him again or it will be a bartender who's interested 
of my visits, why I'm there, why are we there? Is he really focusing on both of us or is he just focusing on me because he figured it out, ah, oh, Eric Lawrence mm. is a bartender and completely forget that mm. I'm there with someone and, and that someone is completely like not even there, ignored absolutely and, and it, it's my life and it's completely ignored and she should be the highlight of the visit rather than myself. And this is sometimes I see yeah. it's not correct when someone is just focusing on myself and I'm there with my wife and how my wife should feel like. Then it's like completely like yeah. a third wheel on, on the thing <laughs> or, or, or it's how is the overall experience. So it's really for me, that's how I judge the bars. And then once I leave, did I have a great experience? Would I come back again? If the, if the tick that box come back again, it's the great bar. That's excellent. Uh, last question for you, Eric. Uh, you've been, as we've talked about, you've been at this for a long time now. What advice would you give to your younger self who was starting out, mm -hmm. you know, in 1998 behind a bar? What, what would you say to them? Good one. I think uh, take the risk as soon as possible <laughs> and try <laughs> to speed up that uh, speed up that process of opening your own bar and learn everything faster rather than taking for so long because then you can obviously actually way more. But I think today we are in that uh, we are in the process that bartenders are really on that level where when I was 25, for example, that was the moment when I came to England and now I can see bartenders in the. Yeah. 20s, they already left their house, they left their family, and they are abroad and they're exploring, which is like, I can see that, that five years, four, five years, it's, it's getting farther, progressed, which is great to see. And this is how I would see myself like, I would love to see myself in my 20s, leave my country, come here and start rather than being 25 and doing it till my 30s where I really reached that moment, like, okay, now I know what I do, now I know what I want and, and do it. But I think that's the ultimate rule. Like, you know, in your twenties, you learn the trade in your thirties. You really know what you do in your forties, you're delivering it. So I'm in the process of delivering it. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's a great place to live it there, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today on Drinks at Work. Uh, look forward to seeing you when you're in town in Sydney in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm really looking forward to Sydney. It's always my favorite place to visit. Great bars. Thank you to Eric again, and thank you to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, this is the 22nd one we've done, so please check out the rest in the podcast player of your choice and give it a subscribe. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.